everybody. This is Mike Paterno, and I want to welcome you to Mostly Unseen with Jeff Boucher. Thanks for joining us. We're happy to have you with us today. Jeff is the pastor of Mill Pond Church. I want to let you know that any of the segments from our podcast will be accessible through our website at millpondchurchny.com. Today we're continuing our introduction, part two if you will, discussing how God wants a love relationship with us and God's will in your life from a workbook written by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God, which we as a church are going to be working on and learning about the seven realities of experiencing God. With me as always is our host, Pastor Jeff. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Mike. And uh, like I, I, I said when we started this out, the, the last time together was, uh, I love this series because mm-hmm. it's very much alive. It's very biblical. Henry Blackaby did a great job of identifying patterns uh, in the Bible that help us understand what it means to experience God. I think many of the things that he captures for us from Scripture open our eyes to to things that we did not realize about God and about our lives. And just learning those things can help our faith just Mm. come alive and soar. So we really want to talk about God's will and your life or my life, our lives, right, today. And uh, we're going to do that through just a series of things we're going to look at and it's still part of this introduction and just to remind people what those seven realities are uh that blackaby kind of labels for us i'm going to say he he finds them in scripture right as all of us can and god just gave him real insight to Mm. to be able to grasp them see them label them and point them out in a way that is very helpful to you know Christians everywhere. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, pretty exciting. So the, the seven realities, you know, basically that he mentions is God is at work all around us all the time. And plenty of passages, and we'll see these soon, that back everything up that I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. What is he at work doing? He's at work reconciling the world to himself. When we're born, we're born into sin and we grow up and the natural thing for us to do from birth is to go our own way to do what we want to please ourselves you know babies do it i want this you know toddlers do it they get to i want this i want this they cry until they're satisfied they try cry until they get what they want and you know the little child at five who's in the store is mommy get me this you know i want that lollipop i want this i want i want i want it just really shows us when you stand back that sin nature and parents kind of have to curtail that Mm. and you know reframe it and refocus it and you know we do that just to get along in the world but there's much much more to it all so it's that relationship that god wants with us he wants to have a relationship we lost it at the time of the garden of eden it's been lost ever since but god has acted in our world to bring us back into that relationship that's really what this is all about so that's what he's doing reconciling the world to himself he invites us to join him in that work of bringing the world to him and then when we join him god speaks and we're going to see this so clearly Mm -hmm. as the days go by as the as the as the different sessions that we do um become a reality here And so God speaks. And then when he speaks, there is very often a crisis of belief because God will often ask us to do things that are way beyond what is humanly possible for the individual. And I almost think sometimes that God must be amused at this a little bit in a good way because he'll sit and say, I know what they're going to think because he knows everything. (laughs) And then he can't wait to show us that what he's saying, he's going to make a reality. So that's really cool. So we have a crisis of belief. How do we get through the crisis? We're going to learn that you adjust your life to God's will. When we adjust, that is called obedience. Mm. And then once we obey God, that's where we experience him because we're in awe of what he did. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk all about that as time goes on. But there's some, some precursors, I think, that we really want to talk about right now before we dive headlong into you know, this whole series. 
And, you know, I want to start off and, and just say to anyone listening, and I would imagine that there's people that are believers. Sometimes someone might have a friend that maybe doesn't yet believe in Christ, not a Christian, that might tune into a podcast, say, hey, try to listen to this. There's some good stuff in there. So I really think that we want to share a little bit to those people uh, as well and to, the, and to those that are believers. So uh, that's where I really want to pick up and start tonight. And I want to start off by saying this, that Christianity is very often misunderstood. Sometimes people say, well, it's a religion. Yes, it is a religion. Well, it's a bunch of do's and don'ts. Well, it could be if you look at the Ten Commandments, let's say, as, oh, don't do this and don't do that. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. You know, don't covet. Um, don't take the Lord's name in vain. You know, then it's a bunch of do's and don'ts. Mm. Or it could be that that's God's love letter to us. Well, how how's that work? Well, you know, all of us, you know, I'll speak for us men, but I know women, you know, feel this way from the feminine and female perspective. Mm -hmm. But we, we, we want to fall in love one day. We want to have, meet that person that just completes us, fills the other part of us. Just, you know, that's what we want. And we long for it. And we, we search for it. And when we find that person, we get excited. And all we want to do is spend our time with that person. And then we start reading the Bible, and all of a sudden it says in one part, do not commit adultery. Mm. Now, is that a bunch of do's and don'ts? No, you know what God knows? What will happen if you do? He knows that that love relationship that God brought into your life, you finally found that person, you're building, you're growing together, all this is happening, and you step outside the bounds. He knows the hurt. The destruction all that's coming and he does not want that so he simply says don't do it i i can see the future i know what that brings and sometimes people well you know she this and he that and they don't understand and you know and it just goes down a bad road and that relationship gets destroyed and we look and say how does that happen right so there's Every command that God gives us, that's a command we'll call in the negative, mm -hmm. don't do, is for our benefit because he loves us. So in fact, those 10 commandments and all the other commands are God's love letter to us, begging us, pleading with us, urging with us, hey, don't do this, follow this. Hey, I'm trying to warn you. Yes. Right? What a parent, good parents do what for their children? They'll look out for them and tell them, hey, listen, like really listen. Yes. Don't do this. Right. Stop it. I've been there. Or if I haven't been there, I've seen my friends that have been there. Or if I haven't seen that, I'm telling you, this is not a good idea. And when we're real little, they have to force it on us because we can't see it yet. You know, we don't know. And so, you know, a parent will say, no, you can't. You're not going to, why, mommy, why, daddy, why? You don't understand right now. But you will. Trust me. Mm -hmm. And often the children do when they're young. You know, it's in those teenage years that they start rebelling, you know, and, they be, you know, they become very dislikable. Then hopefully you know? we grow up. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. And many of them do. They get older, at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you know, the first thing I, I want us to know is that if you think of everything in the world today, we, we wake up to the news. There's crazy things that are happening. In, in our country, around the world, um, every day we look and we cannot believe what's out there. So people don't know which way to go. There's confusion. There's, there's concern. There's anxiety. There's all kinds of things. So here's where we want to start. I'm going to tell you very confidently, anyone who's listening, and I'm going to make a blanket statement, and I want you to hear it, and then we're going to unpack it. So don't turn me off till we unpack it some. Jesus is your way, period. Jesus is your way. Mm -hmm. Now, on the face of it, what does that mean? Where's Jesus? You know, we respond a lot of ways. So let's talk about it for a few minutes. Jesus said something in John 17, 3, that I think is one of the most powerful things that he said. 
And I'm going to have you read it in a moment, Mike, but I want to context it a little bit. What you're going to read is Jesus's last night alive on earth. He dies the next day in the afternoon. And on this night, it was the night he had the last supper. It was on this night that he went out to the olive grove called the Mount of Olives. And he prayed and he took his disciples with him. And he was there and we call this prayer in John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer because it is, it is Jesus himself praying for himself, for his disciples, mm -hmm. and for all who would believe in their word, the disciples' word, which all the way down today, 2,000 years later, all of us that believe in Christ believe because the disciples believed in him. They passed that on, who then that generation passed it on, and all the way on down, all the way to today, that if we were able to, which we can't, but if each Christian was able to, he could trace his lineage back because someone told someone who told mm -hmm. someone who told someone for thousands of years. And G what do they tell him? Jesus is the way. So Jesus is praying to the Father, and here's what he says in part of that prayer. Go ahead. From the NIV version. Uh, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Okay. I'm going to read that again, because sometimes I think we need to hear it in different voices, mm -hmm. say it differently, emphasize differently, and, you know, it, it, it'll kind of sink in, you know, more strongly. And I do that with a lot of my stuff. Sometimes I read it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I pretend, um, you know, uh, an actor reading the lines. Sometimes I'll speak it when I know the line as if I'm speaking it to somebody. So listen to these words again. And again, verse 3, chapter 17 of the Gospel of John. And Jesus is speaking, and he says, Now this is eternal life. Love that. This, what? What I'm about to tell you. This is eternal life. That they, his disciples, that they may know you, God, mm -hmm. Father, mm -hmm. the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What is eternal life? Know God and the Son. Yes. If you don't know the Father and the Son, what is it saying? What's the negation of that? The negation is you don't have life. You don't have life. If you want eternal life. So that kind of qualifies the phrase I started out with. Jesus is the way. The way what? The way to life. Mm. Period. Eternal life, yes, but I'm going to say something that might sound strikingly strange. You can start your eternal life today. What does that mean? Well, you can live today in light of your future, which is eternity with Christ. You can start that, live that today. Many people say, when I die, I'll be with Christ. I say, no. When you die to yourself, when you accept Christ as your Savior, which we're going to talk about in a moment, when you do that, when you accept him, you have done what? Then you, you're already committed to life to him. You have stepped from death into life. And again, we'll unpack that. So the essence of eternal life, right, is what? Is to know God. Blackaby starts off this study in the early chapter, earliest chapter, I think, in the first chapter, where he says, you know, that is what he wants people to know. The essence of eternal life and the essence mm. of this study, right, is for each individual walking through this to know God and to know Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Now, knowing God does not come through osmosis. It doesn't come, I, I grew up in, sometimes, you know, you would ask somebody, well, not when I was young, young, but as I became a Christian, as I got older, you'd say, oh, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I go to church. <laughs> yeah, that would be the most common one you hear. Yeah, and you think, that's not even what I asked them. <laughs> right. Do you know God? Yes, I go to church. So that tells me you go to church, 
It doesn't tell me if you know God, because you could be in a church and not know God. Right? You can you can go and do things that are godly. Mm. You can go and the difference is, are you doing them to please God? Meaning, well, let me let me rephrase. Are you doing that to impress God or to win God's approval mm. so that, you know, he remembers that on the day of judgment, let's say. Or are those good works our response to a relationship that we've begun mm-hmm. with God? And once we recognize what God has done for us, those works that we end up doing are our response to what God has done for us. Doesn't sound like a big difference, but it's that distinction is so important though. And I know you'll unpack that one, but for people to really bring that home, that distinction is so incredibly important. Yes. In your relationship and understanding God. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, as we follow Jesus, okay, as we come to faith in him, the objective is going to be to follow him one day at a time, every single day, moment by moment, Mm -hmm. hour by hour. And we'll see why that's so significant as we look through this. So what I know is going to happen for us as we go through this is an understanding we're going to come alive because real Christianity is not simply or merely uh, a religion. It's a relationship with a person. So it's not religion, it's relationship. That is what I learned at 16 years old. It was one of the biggest revelations I've ever had in my life is all of a sudden when I was told and somebody shared it, the light bulb goes on. I had a relationship with religion, with my church, with the building, with the priest, with, you know, I identified as Roman Catholic. That was my, that's who we were. It was my identity Mm -hmm. or a piece of it. And then I realized later you could identify as that and be the furthest person from God. And I didn't realize that at the time because that's not how you come to know God. You may hear the gospel through the church, but just because you go to the church or fulfill the sacraments of the church doesn't make you a believer. That's a matter of the heart. No one can force it and no one can take it from you. That's that's the truth. So a prerequisite to everything. If we want to move into the kind of relationship with God, through which we will experience both eternal life, okay, to the fullest degree possible, and experience God in this life, where we get wowed by what we see God doing. The prerequisite is we have to make sure that we know Jesus Christ by faith. So that to me is is a critical, critical piece. Now, Take a look at John 10.10, and I want you to read that for us, because in this particular verse, Jesus tells us really why he has come. This is one of the, you know, revealing verses, Mm -hmm. and there's more to it, but this verse gives us our first picture. So Mm -hmm. go ahead and read that. So Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Okay. Jesus said, there's an enemy in the world. What does the enemy want to do? We, we know that enemy as Satan. Mm-hmm. What does Satan want to do? What's his goal? Steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal it if he can, kill it if it's possible, destroy it wherever you know he's able. And that means everything. What, what do you mean? He wants to take your joy, take your faith, take your life if he could. Right? Jesus said one day to Peter during that end of his life here, he said, you know, at the last week, he said, Peter, Satan has asked for you. His desire is to sift you like wheat. Mm. And that's not a pleasant thing when you see how they sifted wheat. Mm. You want to do the Peter. He said, but I have prayed for you. And he goes on to talk about that for a moment. So Satan has limits. But he's out to destroy the work that God is doing. Peter tells us when he wrote his epistle, his letter, and we find that in the New Testament. 
He says in in 1 Peter 5, 8, well, go ahead and read it. Talks about what Satan is like. It gives us a kind of an analogy to what he's doing. And I think it's a very powerful verse when we when we grasp it. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking for opportunity. He's looking to snag. What kind of an opportunity? Hey, how about this? How about we want to go outside the command of God? We, you know, we're, we're flirting with stealing something. He makes it enticing, yeah. We're flirting. Once he sees that, he'll pounce and he'll take us the rest of the way through because it, we don't need much more encouragement when we're flirting with it. You know, we're thinking about, oh, I know it's wrong, but then we go into this mode of justifying and then we, you know, say, well, it's not so bad. Oh, you know, I've been good. You know, everybody, you know, I could really use that thing for good if I can just get my hands on, you know, we do all kinds of crazy stuff to, to justify things that we, you know, our behavior and what we want to do. So I want us to think about this, that Jesus, right, has come that we might have life and have it to the full, abundant life. There are many people that are alive. They have breath, mm. right? But they're not alive. Mm. They are anxious. They are worried. They're living in fear. They watch what's going on in the world. They hold on to everything they've got. What a horrible way to live. And for many that just can't take it anymore, we take, you know, medications, we, we drink, we, you know, whatever else we do yeah, yeah, to cope yeah, with yeah. it, vices that we might distract us and give us a, a respite from, from those things. So I want to really dive in. I want to move through some things that I think are powerful and we'll pause where necessary. But in this experience in God, course we'll call it right that blackaby takes you through he starts off with this so it's a great place for all of us to start and i want to say this if we have not come to christ by faith if we have not stopped one day and recognized that we are sinners mm. and not on our way to heaven if we don't stop and say what do i need to do and then come to the realization what the scripture teaches is stop look at your life Take personal inventory. Realize if you've sinned one time, what are you? You're dead. You're and we call you a sinner. Sin once, you're a sinner. But we all know that we've sinned, every one of us, far more than once. Mm -hmm. In fact, when we start reading the Bible, we realize just how far off the mark we are. So some people have tried to live up to the standard that God has given us, but they were never able to because we can't. Because that sin nature is innate. It's inside us. Mm -hmm. We're born with us. It's insidious. But when we come to faith in Christ, God does something. He puts inside of us the Holy Spirit. Okay? So the Trinity that we believe in, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all three come to reside with us. But it is the Spirit of God that makes the sacrifice of Christ who was sent by the Father, mm. efficacious, effective mm -hmm. for salvation. Okay? So here's what, if you went through this and you don't know Christ, it will not benefit you because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.14 is going to tell us that very thing as you read it to us. And this is really important because... To, to understand the spiritual truths that are all through the Bible, you have to be spiritually activated, mm -hmm. in tune, okay, mm -hmm. informed. So read that passage for us from the Apostle Paul. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Okay. People say, well, wait a minute, that's a bunch of gobbledygook. What does that mean? Well, it's really not. If you if you read it and listen to those mm -hmm. words, right, that spiritual things are discerned with the spiritual mind. Let me give you an example. Paul, in that same letter, in that area, says that for many that do not believe, the cross is foolishness. The cross of Christ what, what does he mean by that? 
do you know if like i know i'm hitting you blind you didn't yeah know. no um because they don't understand what what it represents what it what gift it gave us the reconciliation they have no idea they're like oh this guy went and he died for what they, they have no idea it's just beyond them and even if they did you're absolutely right and even if they did and they start understand you know what a stupid plan people have said to me like god himself comes and dies he couldn't think of something easier better for it like so that is the earthly human mind mm. uninformed by the spirit of god looking at that and thinking who wants a, a religion where the, their god got killed well if that's where you left it well, what's the rest of that story right oh yeah he rises again it couldn't death couldn't even hold him people and people don't no it's it's beyond and, them and by that death because he lived a perfect life which none of us have been able to do that's why god had to do it he had to come himself why he couldn't find one human mm -hmm. he knew he couldn't because they were all infected with the disease that we call sin mm -hmm. you're infected with a sin nature and therefore you will sin because you're infected with it you know you're infected with something you might break out in a rash right with a with a virus yeah. you can't stop that you're it's it's there and you wish it didn't happen you might be able to treat it you put some cream on it you wear long sleeve shirts you don't let people see it you know but it's there we can dress up sin too mm -hmm. but it's there so god knew he himself had to come up with a plan that had to resolve the problem and he came up with it before he even created the world and the plan was for himself to enter the world live among us a perfect life show us how a perfect person lives and when we're, we say but we're not perfect no but when we come to faith in christ we are forgiven and the sin is removed and in the second that it's removed you in that moment you're not perfect because you have the sin nature but you are guiltless because you're not committing sin in the moment the spirit living in you enables you to overcome sin in your life that is spiritual discernment that is powerful it is real and that's what we want to talk about mm -hmm. so god tells us you know and that's why i want people to know you you need to know if you want to go through this and if you want to experience god in life if you want to live life to the fullest if you want to know christ and believe that that is eternal life then knowing him is the pre prerequisite so if you sense as you're listening to this that you have not accepted jesus christ as savior and you really sense that need and want to take that step we're going to walk you through what to do it's not a formula there's no formula it's just heartfelt and this is the it's a shift in allegiance it's a shift in in thinking and it's an actual complete transformation by the spirit of god mm. that begins at a particular point in, in time when you first ask christ to come into your life by faith and continues on in a process that we call sanctification which is becoming it, all that means is day by day when we go to god we day by day become more and more like jesus christ with the holy spirit's power working in us that's what we're doing that's what it means to be a christian now romans 3 23 the apostle paul did something that was fabulous he took us through a series of verses when you read these chapters the book of romans is unbelievable amazing. it's amazing martin luther's life martin luther the reformer not martin luther king martin luther the reformer his life was turned upside down when he read romans he was already you know on his way in ministry becoming a monk and he didn't know christ he had religion not relationship so and that happens to so many so read for us mike mm -hmm. romans three twenty three. for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god simple verse powerful truth when god says all have sinned does he mean all men all, all men all women all women everyone all children yeah. all americans everybody you name it you're alive so you all sin. human beings all of them 
So Paul makes this blanket big statement. The Apostle Paul, who, by the way, was not a true believer until he was in his 30s, mm-hmm. and he was already a Pharisee, a religious doctorate, right? He he worked his way up in the Jewish faith. And we have these people in the Christian faith, too. We have them in every faith there is. They're not true believers. They believe they are. They, they try to live up to God by doing things to gain his approval. Lots of mental ascent, but no, nothing yes. else. They mentally get it, sort of, but, but they, they make mental ascent to it. But they can't fathom that this could be true. And so when we think of Romans 3.23, all have sinned, Paul said, all, and fallen short of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is Jesus rising and from the dead and reconciling himself to us. It's perfection. The glory of God, the radiance, the, you know, he's clothed in perfection. He's, he's clothed in glory that, that we don't have until we accept Christ. Then the glory of God enters us. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. What does that say about our eternal destination? It says we're, uh, we're going to eternal death at that rate and, and how anything separated from God is what, what it says we're going. Through. I think that's the key right there. Separation. We won't be with God in eternity. People go, oh, so you tell me I'm going to burn. I'm gonna, you know what? I would say this. I don't know if you burn. I don't know if you, you know, it's pitch black, if it's freezing, whatever it is, right? And we have different descriptions of hell in scripture. What they all have in common is it's separation from God. You're not with God. And here's how I came to think about it in my own life. I I used to think to myself, holy cow, right now in humanity, there are many people that believe in God. And because they do, they seek the good of others. Imagine if all those people were taken out. And the only thing left were the people that want what they want. And they do what they can to get what they want. They use people. They, you know, deceive people. They will try to get them, manipulating them to get what they need. Could you imagine a whole world full of just that? That'd it's not be, a very friendly world. I'll that'd tell you be that horrific, much, yeah. right? So that's how I, I, I've come to think of it a little bit. Now, Paul goes on in the sixth chapter, mm-hmm. and he says a whole lot between these. But in the sixth chapter, he uses another really eye-opening verse. Yeah. What's it say? Yeah, one of my favorite verses. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love this. The wages of sin is death. Let's think about this for a second. You're a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. You work all week. Put a lot of hours in, right? Sometimes early in the morning. Sometimes you'll see patients late at night. Late at night. You you'll have some days that are 15, 16 hour days, oh, yeah. right? And thank God, not every day is that day. But then you'll have days that are you know normal. But you work. What do you expect at the end of the week? A wage, right? Your payment. Yeah. So what if we get to the end of the week, and I'm your boss? And I said, oh, hey, hey Mike, yeah, we're, we're just not going to pay you this week. You all right with that? <laughs> uh, my bills are not. <laughs> yeah, of course I'm not. Hey, look, I'd love to help people doing what you do for free, right? Wouldn't you love to do it for free? Oh, yeah, but... And if you were independently wealthy, wouldn't you use the skills that you have? Exactly. Of course you would. Yeah. But you're not. Right. So what do you have to do? You, you, you need, need that wage. wage. Yeah. So if the boss just decides unilaterally, I'm not paying you. What's the first thing's going to kick uh, up? You wouldn't be working there very long, I'll tell you that much. I won't be staying. Yeah. There'll be, I might be going to small claims court, right? I might be doing whatever. But no, it's ridiculous. We expect that wage. Why? Because that's what that's what we we need for our work. That's our exchange, our barter at yeah. that point. So you did what? I worked for something. You earned it. Yeah. You worked and you earned it. So if I don't pay you, you're going to be upset with that. All right, so wait. Paul says... The wages of sin is death. Mm. God always pays. Mm -hmm. God never relents, right? He won't cheat us out of what we deserve. And we earned it at that point. We earned death. How? Through sin. We sin. We say, well, wait a minute. You know, what if I tripped up and stumbled? I get it. When we go to a court of law, I love this. 
you're an American mm -hmm. and you're in a court of law, and you say, Your Honor, I didn't know. Intent is not, intent doesn't matter. All that matters is what happened. Right. And the judge might even say something that's a common phrase that we all hear. Ignorance is no excuse of the law. Too bad. You should have known. Next time you know. Mm -hmm. You know now. So do better. But you're paying the penalty. You're. It's coming down. Because you're guilty. The judge has to bring down the penalty. Now, sometimes they have latitude within the penalty. Mm. But if you're guilty, still gotta pay. you're paying something. Right? They might take all the circumstances into consideration. So the person really, truly didn't understand, tripped up, whatever, judge might give them the lighter sentence, whatever that might be. Someone who's done it 15 times, they're going to get the book thrown at them because they're just flaunting it in front of the judge. Like, I don't care. Right? So Paul says the wages, the payment, what you earn for sin is death. When Adam and Eve sinned, death came into the world. Death is continuing the world. Jesus came. Jesus did not sin. What did he do? We're going to talk about this next. So I'm leading in this way. Well, he was he was put to death. For, he was a sacrifice that for sin. Substitute, sacrifice, payment, right? Mm. Now, read that next verse, which is Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So out of his love, which was a selfless love, a sacrificial love, he came, he died, and he lived a perfect life put to death by the hands of sinful men. Mm -hmm. And when he did that, he did that, so that those that would believe in him by faith and believe is more than just mental assent, as you mentioned so properly, so rightfully. Okay. It's, it's much more. And we'll talk about that. But what did God do here? When we were still sinners, when we did nothing to deserve him, his love was so great. So this, I want every single person listening to take to heart. Do you know how much God loves you? More than you can imagine. That when you never gave him a thought, what did he do? He died for you. He died. And you know what? He offers you eternal life if you simply receive the gift that he's giving. Because it is a free gift, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And that's the second part of 623, right? Yep. What does he say? For the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How much do you pay for a gift? A gift is free. Hmm. The gift could be any size in a package, right? Tiny, mm -hmm. huge, right? It, it, it is always given by a giver. So there's a giver of the gift. The gift is always free. But can you refuse a gift? That's the sad part. Yeah, you can, right? Yeah. You can say, no, thanks. I won't be needing that. I don't want that. I won't use that. Whatever you want to say, you can you can say no. And many would argue with me in the Christian world, like, wait a minute, don't you have to be drawn by God? Yes. God has to be working in our lives for us to really, truly grasp. Mm -hmm. And so, and if you're not sure if he is, you pray that God work in my life give me that kind of faith and don't let your your own notions of what you think is real deter you until you actually explore for yourself things that god said mm -hmm. and because many times you've heard things that are inaccurate and untrue okay so romans 5 8 he tells us that in while we were still sinners christ died for us that's what he did that's the love that that god has for us then here's what paul says in romans 10 9 and 10 what what does he say there he says if you declare with your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved okay let's pause on that for a second i'm going to use another word for you which you'll find in another version 
you said if you declare i like that word it's a it's a strong word somebody else might say if you confess and i'm not talking about confessing sin that's part of coming to faith but confess meaning speak it out if you confess declare believe that that christ right died for your sin that god raised him from the dead then you will be saved now we got to talk what that belief is in a moment and remember this we have two different ideas of belief but we use the same word if i said to you mike do you believe that i live in monroe like as a matter of fact yeah okay yeah yeah does it change anything for you no do you care <laughs> no it's you, like okay <laughs> it doesn't doesn't do anything it doesn't matter but you know if i say to you mike i know that you are really sick right now with with whatever it you, you've got i have a pill right it's it's an antibiotic and it can make you well do you, do you trust me no, that's a different yeah that's yeah. Well, but and if you do trust me why do you trust me because it's deeper than just a mental picture that i know you care how do you and let's just go really like right now if you and i were, were somewhere and i had something i said mike i know the bottle's not labeled i grabbed them i threw them in my in, in his bag you know called a plastic bag you know and you're you know you're out in the wilderness you broke your leg you can't get out you who knows but you're there and this will solve the problem you have an infection this will take it away now you trust me mm -hmm. why do you trust me because i know you okay you trust me because you know me if you get to a point where you say my life is in a bad mess right now i'm the one that stumbled across you i don't know you i see you're wounded and I see if someone doesn't help you out of here, you're you're you're, you're dying. I already looked, and you know you broke your leg in a couple places, compound fracture. You've got infection setting in. I happen to have because I travel with it when I'm hiking through the woods. I happen to have antibiotics. I know that I can dress that wound because I have some clean bandages with me too. I can dress it. I can give you an antibiotic. And I can take you out of here. I'll have to make a, a cot kind of thing, a drag cot that you, you've probably seen. And I can put you on it and take us a little while. I've got water for you. I've got some food. I'm going to get you out of here. You have a choice to make at that point. You don't know who I am. Mm. You don't know if what I'm telling you is real or true. You don't know where I'm going to take you. You have no idea. Mm -hmm. What do you decide? Well, at that point, you're probably weighing your situation. If you stay, if you stay where you are, you know what's going to happen. Unless somebody else comes along that you believe is looking for you, because you, you put the word out, you put your beacon out there, you put the, you mm. know, somebody you got a last call off and told them, you know, you're in this section of the forest, but it's still pretty big. Mm -hmm. But you know they'll probably come looking. But do you have time? Maybe not. You don't know. You have to make a call. Mm -hmm. And then you might wrestle with yourself for a few minutes. Then you'll either say, no, no, my friends are coming. Or you might say, you know what? I don't know if they'll arrive in time. I'm going to trust you. i got no other choice. We've seen that on TV shows. Yeah, oh, yeah. We've seen it in different oh, yeah. things, right? I'm going to tell you this. If you're listening today and your life's a mess because you're running it, you're addicted to something. You're, you know, you've got family problems. You've got relationship issues. You've got problems as a parent. You've got problems as a child. You're, some of your family members aren't speaking to you. You're not speaking to some of them. You know, you're in a fight with your friends, whatever it might be. You look at your life and you say, my life stinks. You look and you've actually even thought of how do I get out of this life? And then you just continue on. Then sometimes you get reckless because you just don't care. Mm. Your life is is in a place and you know and it doesn't have to even be there you could be in a place that you're doing pretty well for yourself you're 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 living life you're 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 in a great job you're a professional you've got a house you've got the cars you got the wife you got the husband you got whatever it is and you know what why do i need god 
but there's something gnawing down deep that you're not satisfied. And money has not fulfilled it, and you mm -hmm. thought it would. So you keep trying for more of it. You thought the cars were going to do it. You thought the house was going to do it. You thought the second house at the beach was going to do it. You thought having kids was going to do it. You thought grandkids are certainly going to change that. You thought that this woman that you found and married, that was going to do it. And, and guess what? All of them solved it for a while. But there's still something missing. And you know why? Because we're created with a God-sized hole that until we fill it with God, mm -hmm. we will not be whole. And that gnawing inside will be at, you know, it'll be on our minds and hearts constantly, right? So when we think of that, that's that's the picture. And so Paul tells us, confess or declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And believe that God raised him from the dead. And the kind of Paul, belief that Paul describes is the kind I just described. Mm -hmm. If you entrust me to take you out of the woods, that's belief. If I offered all that to you and you say no, you say, maybe you would, maybe you won't. I'm going to wait and I'm going to try something else. I'm going to take my chances that something else will come along. You didn't trust me. Mm -hmm. You believed maybe, hey, you're a great guy. I know you would, but you know what? My friends are coming. I don't want them to get here and not find me. Uh, you know, that's what we now if you if you take action if you put your life in my hands so what god is asking put your life in his hands he's asking that you know how's it going that you're in in control maybe not as good as you'd like it to right so if it's making no sense to you fine don't do it but if if you want to experience god this is what we we need to do so then finally in Romans ten thirteen, I don't think we read that one yet. No, no. So read that. Everyone for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes, and it doesn't just mean all right, God, I'll take that. Can I have that gift too? Give it. No, it means calling on the name of the Lord is the full deal. It's you know what I've I'm not calling on me anymore. I'm not calling on you know riches or drugs or alcohol or any of those things. I'm calling on God. I'm placing myself in His hands. It's a total trust relationship. That starts it. We confess our sin. We say, I know I can't get, I can't have eternal life without you because you are eternal life. Now, we spent some good time on that, but I think that's one of the most critical mm -hmm. things we could have talked about, right, in, in all of this. So the question becomes for us, would I like to experience life to the fullest? If I want to do that, I need to know Christ. If I want to do that, I need to come to him and give myself to him in the way that we just described. So we talk about, you know, we call that the Romans road because all those verses are in the book mm -hmm. of Romans. Now, here's another thing. John 14, 26. Once you become a believer, guess what God says? He Read says, it. but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So... God tells us that when we come to faith, we accept Christ by faith. We put our trust in him. We take ourselves off the throne of our life and we say, Jesus, you are on the throne of my life now. And that's a battle for us at times. And we have to daily put ourselves mm -hmm. to death, if you mm -hmm. will. Right? Paul says, you know, I am crucified with Christ. Mm -hmm. I no longer live. Paul says, I put the old Paul to death. Mm-hmm. I am a new creation in Christ. I am following Christ, and Christ is on the throne of my life. I am his servant. I will do what he says. That's the picture. And when we do that, he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to be in you. He will teach you all things. What does that mean? That connects with our First Corinthians passage that you read, 2.14, which was what? It was spiritual things are what? Spiritual things are are discerned through the Spirit, but can't be understood without them. Yes. We can't understand without the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, now that you know me, I'm going to send an advocate, your advocate. An advocate is a legal term mm -hmm. for what? A lawyer. A lawyer. A defender. One who speaks for you. So the Holy Spirit living in you 
communicates to the Trinity. That's that's they are one. And you know, the Holy Spirit goes before us, prays for us, in us, you know, empowers us. Mm -hmm. There are many things the Holy Spirit does that we can get into, you know, one day. But one of the things is he teaches us. He gives us insight to the things that Jesus said so that we can understand what the teaching is. So now people go, oh, so you have a special knowledge, special teaching that only you Christians get. It's everyone's invited. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone's invited. This isn't a so this isn't a, a segregate, you know, right, right. a segregated group of people. You know, it, anybody who accepts him by faith will receive the Holy Spirit. If there's a hundred, it's a hundred. If there's a thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand, hundred million, billion, fifty billion, whatever it is, anybody who does it, there's room. So if they don't accept, that's their choosing. Right? Yeah. So yeah. you can refuse. That's the great freedom that God has given you and me. We can say no to what he has done. We can look around at the world and say, Man, this could not have come about by chance. Mm. There's got to be a designer. There's got to be a God. Oh, yeah. Maybe I'm him. No, I'm not him. That's what we realize when we look yeah. at the creation. Exactly. And then, you know, we come to know him. So that's important. So that's what the Spirit of God does inside us, right? So that, I think, is just such a critical piece. Now, take a look at John 7, 17 and read that for us. Okay. And this is about doing God's will. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Ah, you know what I call that? What the Bible calls it, spiritual discernment. Mm -hmm. You know what Jesus said when he was walking the earth? He he faced the religious leaders of his of of of, the, of Judaism, and he faced the common man of Judaism. Some of the leaders were divided among themselves, with each other, and fought with each other. Mm -hmm. Why? These are not you know some called him a lunatic, and the others said these are not the ravings of a lunatic. Mm -hmm. These are not the words of a, a of a nut job. And those that had the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God spoke to them and, and confirmed, these are my words. And the ones that didn't, that refused it, they just saw this as a raven because they had other agendas. Mm -hmm. And Jesus did not fit their agenda. And today, Jesus doesn't fit in many people's agenda. Right. Yeah. right? Yeah. So that's a, that's, a, that's a problematic thing. Take a look at Ephesians 3.20, because mm -hmm. this is a promise of what happens and what God can do. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. The Holy Spirit is within us. And what is God saying there in Ephesians 3.20? That you can do more than you could possibly imagine. Yes. Something you can't do on your own, for sure. I was sure. just going to say, yes, that, that was the, that's the secret. So he's not saying you can do it, right? What is he saying? Who's able? That God is able. Yeah. And that's what Paul's, it's the end of a, a passage, an end of a, a, a long thought. And Paul says, now to him, to God, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine mm -hmm. according to his power that is working or at work within us, inside of us, right? To him be the glory in the church through Jesus Christ. And that is an amazing thing. I think it's Philippians 2.17. Turn there real quick. And I wanted to hit this as, you know, maybe our last verse or next to the last verse. And I think it's 2.17. Yep. I hope it is. Let's see what it says. But even if I am being poured that out. That is like... not the one I was thinking of. Is it... I'm thinking of the one, uh, might be three. Let's look at three. It might be 3.17 or three. Mm. Gosh, you know, I know these things, and then I, I, I lose them. I'm getting old, Mike. Oh, listen, I understand. Uh, it's just about the enemies of the cross of Christ. and um... Now, you know what it was? It's, um, it, it's God who works in us to will and do his good pleasure. Right? So it's... So what does that mean? And when you get to it, you can read the exact wording, but it's God who is able 
to do these things. It's in two, actually. Yeah, it's. Uh, it was two. Yeah, right, two thir- it was two thirteen. Thirteen. Is what it was. For it is God who works in you to do, to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So it's God who is doing it. Now, if you are an honest person and you're sitting here tonight and listening to this, or whenever you're sitting listening to it, and you say to yourself, I don't think I have what they're talking about. I don't think I know. And I don't think I have the desire. Because there's things in life I want to do that God might not like. Then be as honest as you can and say to God, God, Give me Mm -hmm. that will. Because who is it that provides it? He does. He does. And if we ask humbly, God will give it. Now, I know we want to wrap up here. um, And there's some incredible things. What I wanted to go into next is talking about what it means, you know, to come to Christ. We take ourselves off the throne. And we become, instead of the owner of all things, the the ones who call all the shots, we become the steward, the steward, the manager. manager, right? Not the owner. We don't own this world. We don't own even everything we have. We don't own it. You know, if you did, you take it with you when you die, mm-hmm. but you can't. Why? Because sin prevented that. Mm-hmm. But you can store up treasures in heaven. And we're going to talk about how, how that's done. Amen. And, so, last thoughts on on this. Listen, this is uh, so true, but just awesome, awesome. I mean, really, coming to Christ, um, it's eye opening. It's eye opening. I, I tell you, I like it. I used to work in the city, and I was a kid. I was seventeen when I was working in the city, and I came to know the Lord at sixteen. And I remember thinking one day as I was going through the Lincoln Tunnel, I was trying to think how would I describe my faith to friends because. Sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. I'm always looking for a better way to tell people what happened to me inside. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving through the tunnel, and all of a, you know, and then all of a sudden I see way at the end. I used to like this, like okay, there's the end. You know, there's that. You see this little light, way, way, way down there, and you're going, you're going, and all of a sudden it gets a little bit more and a little bit more. Now it's getting brighter, and all of a sudden the most, you know, impressive part of it is right as you exit the tunnel. Everything comes on. The radio comes back on. Mm-hmm. Well, now they have probably stuff in the tunnel. But then, right? yeah, I remember. But then yeah. <laughs> the radio came back on. Everything was bright. You could see everything moving all around you. It was That was what it was like. When I came to faith in Christ, I had the same experience. It was like the world opened up to me. And, and everything was new. Yeah, and too. I saw things in a completely different light. You know, And that's what God is offering to every person within earshot of this, this you know, podcast. And, uh, and through other preachers and through other places, through church, you know, but it is God who is doing all mm-hmm. the work. It is God who initiated. It is God who loved you and me so much that he came and died for us. It is God who has prepared the way. Mm-hmm. It is God who rose from the dead. It's the Holy Spirit who now indwells us and lives in us if we're a believer. It's the Holy Spirit who changes our lives. It's the Holy Spirit who does in us what no one can do. I could never do exactly. what he does. And, you know, day by day, I live an exciting life, right? I, I'm sure you yeah, say oh, the yeah. same. Oh, yeah. And no day is the same. And you can, if you're looking at your life through God's eyes, it's it's an amazing picture. So, um, so yeah. So I encourage you, if you are not walking with Christ, you know, pray that prayer and mike's going to lead us in that prayer just a prayer to come to. it's not a formula it's right, not a, right. special words it's heartfelt that you believe it listen lord jesus we love you um but we know that you called us first and we would be nothing without you i pray that anybody listening within your earshot in this in this podcast lord that you've given us um lord come into our hearts and our minds let us realize how much we need you, Lord. And then change us. Allow us to change so that we can become what you want us to be, Lord, so we can experience you and feel your love, something that we've never felt before and something that will never fail. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you in your holy name. Amen. Amen. All right. That's it. That's all we got for tonight. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully uh, you'll, you'll join us for the next one. All right, everybody. Have a great night. See you next week. <laughs>